Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, Feely Humans. Welcome to another episode of... You, me, empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator and host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, where we collectively, in our mushy, messy, fallible human ways, uh, grapple with empathy and vulnerability and emotional curiosity together, not, not alone, not some uh, behemoth uh, individualist uh, capitalist uh, monsters. We're we're doing it together, like the good little socialist mush piles that we are. Okay, feelyhuman.co is where you learn more about that. And uh, right now, there's not a ton going on in the community other than the stuff I'm sharing on on Instagram and uh, my email newsletter. So make sure to sign up for that at feelyhuman.co. Um, I will get into the feely human stuff in just a moment. But I want to insert, I want to pause that to, to talk about the episode today, which is episode 235 on Brave Trails, on the healing that happens in spaces where we're seen and heard, the, the, the wisdom and beauty in listening to kids, and the life-changing moment in childhood when my guest found a swastika on her driveway and all things Brave Trails with Jessica Weisbach. This is a wonderful episode, a wonderful conversation. I'm really grateful for Jessica and just the magic, like truly life-saving magic that's happening at Brave Trails. Uh, It's a queer youth leadership camp. Uh, They also have like a mental health program that's fairly new and a backpacking program that I'm very excited about. Jessica, FYI, very excited over here about that. Love to be a part of it. Just really cherish uh, what they do. And I, I was able to, this past summer, a few months back, I was able to lead a workshop at Brave Trails for some of the youth there. And it was amazing and beautiful and lovely. And I just, I just like coming out of it, I'm just like, yes, heart filled, hope for the future. It's there. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's feeling good. And uh, I want to keep writing that. I, and I believe it, you know, hearing uh, and being witness to the vulnerability and the, the, the bravery, the true bravery of some of these folks' stories is, it's beautiful and makes my heart happy. So Brave Trails, we talk all about it in this show, in this episode, and uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Go to bravetrails.org to learn more. Make sure to follow Brave Trails on Instagram and TikTok at Brave Trails. And the last thing I will say is, as I mentioned, uh, 
not much going on in Feely Human Land because I am very busy building out a private paid membership community that's going to happen uh, in January. I'm launching it in January. I had mentioned before it might be coming in October. That's not happening because I've been having headaches and I'm very busy and I'm working a couple of part-time jobs and I'm doing all the things and I want to make this thing meaningful and useful and really impactful for you the uh hopefully new community member of this new community coming in january so look out for that stay tuned for that to hear more about updates about that make sure to sign up for the newsletter at feelyhuman.co the other thing i wanted to mention because i i i had um reached out to a few local therapy groups here in in Southern California to see if they'd be interested in buying some Dear Childhood Me journals at bulk. And uh, I sent us so I sent a few samples and and that's kind of still in process. But if you do work for a company or a therapy group or something of that sort, even a school that could use and would like um, a journal that helps us sort of reflect on our inner child and reflect on who we are um, based on who we were, go to dearchildhoodme.com and learn more about my journal that I made. I love it. I think you'll love it. Check it out, dearchildhoodme.com. Okay, let's get to the episode, shall we? This is episode 235 on Brave Trails with Jessica Weisbuck. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this overwhelming and awe-inspiring pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotion, emotional, that just made me emotional, emotional and cognitive collaboration and, and insights. So we can, I'm just going to keep going. So we can hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feel humans. I'm all over the place and I love it. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in each of us because each of us in all of our kaleidoscopic parts makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I'm ready for some feely trailblazing because I'm here with licensed marriage and family therapist and co-founder of Brave Trails, an organization building the next generation of LGBTQ plus leaders. It's Jessica Weisbach. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So grateful to have you. I I am in awe of you and what you've created uh, and fostered 
uh, with Brave Trails. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I can't wait to get into it. But if you are a listener of this show, you would know that we start with an emotional check-in. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Let's let's drop in. Um, I'm feeling really excited to be in this space with you. Um, I it's not often that you just get a space to like feel and be and be heard. And so I'm like having some excitement about that. Mm. I'm happy to hear that. Um, we need those spaces. I would argue that's precisely what Brave Trails is, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> like, I think about, you know, and I'm a, I got it made. I'm a white cis feely boy. Uh, and a crucial part of my healing and recovery and, and all of these things have been people who see me and hear me and are witness to like all of me. And sometimes you're born into families that aren't good at that. And that's hard. Right. Um, so I, I love that you're open to it. I love that you're here. Um, let's. Let's start with this. So you were a marriage and family therapist. You started Brave Trails, but I'm curious about your life before that. Like what was your what was your childhood like? Like what kind of kiddo were you? Love that. Yeah. So what kind of kiddo? It's not often that I'm asked that question. So I love this. Um, I think that I I'm the baby of the family. So I have one sister who's older, um, about two and a half years older than me. Okay. Um, and we get along like best friends now, but, um, growing up, I think just normal sibling stuff for sure. Um, but I too am like fortunate. I, I grew up in a super loving, amazing home um, in the Midwest. And I like to say the Indiana side of Chicago because it's the, the South suburbs of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And it just like really had, it sounds generic, but like really had a great childhood. I mean, like it had, it had its ups and downs, obviously. And um, I've been through myself, but like for the most part, really supportive parents that have been solidly there for me. Um, and blinked a little bit of an eye when I came out, but not much. And has has since like educated themselves on the queer community and like what we do and like so there for it, which is amazing. And my sister's also, she's a social worker. So we both are very much in line. Um, but I originally, I live in the Los Angeles area. And so originally I moved out here, like most of the world to work in the television and film industry. Um, so that is my background is that I went to my undergrad um, in Illinois uh, and <clears throat> got it in radio TV production and immediately moved out to LA to like do it, you know? Um, and again, the Hollywood thing, right. The Hollywood thing. That's where, that's where we all go. Um, (laughs) and came out here and loved it and did that for a good while. Um, I, I was in that world for six or seven years. Um, it treated me really well. I really, for the most part, liked what I was doing, um, and then I went and I started going to my own personal therapy and I, was just like struggling with um, 
And this is not a diss on that world because I love it. And I have a lot of friends still in that world, but I was struggling with um, really the, the things that were presented to me as like urgence and crisis mm. in the world versus like what I was seeing in the world. Um, and so like, if you got a producer's meal wrong, that was like the end of the world. Or if you did this, it's the end of the world. And it was like these little things that I was just like, that's not really like the end of the world. That's just like a minor inconvenience of the the world. You found some um, perspective. Exactly. And yeah. so <clears throat> starting my own, you know, <clears throat> self-care journey and my own therapy journey personally helped me realize like, it's good. And like the film, I use film and TV as a release and a, an escape. And it's yeah. so good for that. Um, and for me personally, I like needed a little bit different just something a little bit different, a little bit uh, more deep in my world. Um, mm. And so after a few years of really exploring that for myself, I went back and I got my master's in um, clinical psychology and I focused on the queer, queer youth, um, the queer community in general, but more specifically the queer youth uh, population. And so um, went back and I got my master's and loved it. And I was, I was practicing therapist. I did the thing. I got the hours, I got licensed and, and I still love to do that work, but soon I realized again, um, that like, I was, I didn't really want to do that one-on-one -on -one work with folks. Mm. I was much more in a community setting. Um, and so I started doing a lot of community work and community mental health and, um, building that kind of, um, life for myself. Uh, and that's kind of really what led me and my wife to, to start Brave Trails is that kind of journey of, I would say it was a self journey that brought us full circle into to Brave Trails and what we're doing now. That's usually how it works, right? Sure, uh, yeah. By the I way, I, I just need to it. point out that I ask you about your childhood and then you just run the gamut from from childhood through yeah. Brave Trails. You just gave it all. It. You just, <laughs> I love yeah. it. Um, I love that. I love that you, Jessica, and, and so many folks that I talk to on this show who struggle to find themselves in, in these containers or spaces, workspaces, whatever you want to call them, that just feel a little off. And, and part of that is in your own journey, as you said, is, is in your own healing. You know, as you start to like deepen your connection with yourself and get to know yourself better through the active therapy or you know whatever you're doing right like that further sort of like uh goes outward right it starts like because for me it was like i didn't know myself there was a great deal of like repression and so as i started to like unfold some of that and dismantle some of that i saw how beautiful like the act of like okay i am i am looking at myself honestly for the first time that gives me so much more strength to do that for others. And it feels wonderful and it's beautiful and it's, it's, it's my heart. Right. And it's, but it takes that moment in therapy or that moment working in an environment that doesn't just doesn't feel right. And we can't like necessarily define it. Right. Um, I love that. 
I just love that. It makes me very happy. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what it's all. If it, Brave Trails was born because we all wished that we had it when we were a kid. Right. And so it's Beautiful. about all yeah. of the experiences leading up to it. This, this idea of, so I just released this, um, it's the launch is over, but uh, I released this like inner child journal uh, called Dear Childhood Me. And it was all sort of the messages I had always wanted to tell myself as a kid. Right. And what a, what a beautiful thing that Brave Trails is in that you wanted something like that growing up. You wanted that community. You wanted that because there, there's so much like, and again, white cis Philly boy here, but still terrified of my dad, violent father, right? Like evangelical Christianity that felt hard and there was a lot of shame and that kind of stuff, right? And so there's a lot of like bypassing of our wholeness. There's a lot of like shutting down parts of ourselves and there's a lot of survival and armor. And, you know, and then, you know, I put that on you as someone who has to go through the experience of being queer, right? Growing up, I don't know when you, I don't know how old you are, but growing up in the world and being queer and trying to figure out that journey and knowing that like, ooh, there are people out there that hate me. Um, yeah. Understandably, there's armor built and there's defensiveness built, right? And And then to come full circle and to say, fuck that. I'm going to give my childhood self this beautiful thing I've always wanted. Ah, oh, what a dream. Mm, I love the way you put that. Cause it's so, we say that about our, our campers often that they come to camp with armor and then they like have the journey of like shedding that through the, through their time there. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing for me. Like I grew up, like I said, in the Midwest and I think my armor was built around me for different reasons than being queer. Cause I wasn't really out. Um, and I don't think, I don't think it wasn't that I wasn't really out. I just didn't have self-discovery till a little bit later. Sure. Um, but I had a, for me, it was religion. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a pretty like white Christian up like area and grew up in a pretty conservative Jewish household. Um, my religion was like, it wasn't a huge part of me growing up, but it was part of me growing up and I yeah. went to Sunday school and I did the bat mitzvah. I did all of that. <laughs> um, and so for me, like building some of those muscles and those are that armor around me was around religion. Like I had mm. some, um, pretty negative experiences during middle school. Um, and it. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about it. So um, basically I was in middle school and middle school is just hard. In the worst, the worst uh, possible time of someone's life anyway. Um, and so I had some friends and I had like this really best friend that I loved. And like, I, she was like a popular person and I was mm. not really in that world. I was just kind of like, hanging out here and she was like super popular and like had all the friends and this and that, but yeah. for some reason we connected and we were like best friends and 
it was amazing and, and wonderful. But then I also always felt a little othered because I didn't really fit in with that, those Mm -hmm. people. And nor did I like really like a lot of them either. Like it was one of those things where I was like, well, I should like them and I want to be liked by them, but I don't really want to be in that world. What a universal feeling though, like is like, I mean, that's a survival mechanism right there. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be in this group of people, you know, just to maybe hide or whatever, or feel like I have friends or, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so for me, so I was in that kind of circle and um, it was the end of eighth grade um, Mm. and it was the last day and everybody was having parties and this and that. And I like had a few friends over to spend the night. Um, and the Midwest, I don't know if this is a Midwest thing, but we used to TP each other's houses all the time. Like, that sure. I did that. Did, yeah, right? I did that. <laughs> uh, and so we were, that always happened. So, um, it was like really late. It was like midnight or one in the morning or something. And like, the doorbell rang and I was like, who the heck is ringing the doorbell? So my mom got up, I got up and I think my friends got up too, but it was definitely me and my mom was like the, the vision that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, I was like opening the door, expecting it to just be like toilet paper, teepeed all over the place, but like nothing like that was happened when we opened the door. So we just kind of walked out the door walked down to the end of the driveway and we're like, what's going on? And at the end of the driveway was um, a wooden swastika. Um, And so we, obviously I'm crying. My parents, my mom, my dad came out by that time. Everybody's in shock. We're like, what is happening? Um, And so we had a pretty good idea of like the group of kids that, um, that did that because Mm -hmm. it was, pretty obvious in that moment. Um, and we knew they were having a party and this and that. And so, um, we called the police, did the report, all of that stuff. And the only thing the police did was they made the boys write an apology letter. Um, and I think only one kid actually did it. Um, and so, why I bring this up is because that's where my armor was built. Right. Mm. And so it also was a life changing moment for me. Hmm. Um, and the respect that at that moment I could have very easily retreated, been pissed off, hid behind it. Yeah. Rightfully so very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I kind of did the opposite of that and I, I leaned into it Hmm. and I was like, I never want anybody to feel this. So I'm going to show up differently in the world. Hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think that is like the basis of brave trials, right? It's like, yeah. Going up for these kids. I don't want anyone to feel other, to feel alone, to feel like that by themselves. That's a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, well, those kids are a little shits. They are. And since I have gotten some apologies, um, and one person in in particular apologized and is like, I use that moment 
to teach my kids. Mm-hmm. It is so interesting, right? Because I I hear a story like that, and you're right. What a val a valid response would be like to shut it down and to be steeped in anger, right? Understandably, what a viscerally, I mean, perhaps the most visceral sort of thing one could leave on a driveway. <clears throat> and and then I think I st- I take a step back and I think about me as an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. I did some stupid things, like just stupid shit that I, you know, I just like stuff that I, I look back on and I, I, I'm embarrassed by and, but I also don't want to like demonize that kid. Right. Cause there's so much context there. Right. There's so much at play and that's, what's, and let's talk about that too. Right. Like that armor piece too. Cause like there is so much with kids, right? There's so much happening. There's so like, there's so many changes and it's overwhelming. How do we as humans mm-hmm. be more receptive to that? Be more patient with that? Mm-hmm. Because there is this cultural thing, Jessica, as you know, where we're like kids, they're kids. They'll never understand, which is just a disservice, <laughs> such a disservice to our, our youth. So how do we better reach them? How do we better listen and connect? Well, and and I'm glad you said that because now looking at back as an adult, like they that yes, sure, you could classify that as a hate crime. Absolutely. Totally. Do I think that those boys knew what they were doing and that they were actually like anti-Semitic? Deep down, no, I don't think they were. And maybe they were going to like do something to me to hurt me for sure. And that's like what it was. Like, I honestly think that that's was the core of it, but it's the end, right? It's like, yes, they did this awful thing and they're dumb shit kids. And they probably picked this up from something and, and, and right. And they may be struggling and like, let's look at the whole of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. So you being licensed therapist, you working with communities, working with youth one-on-one, you know, doing brave trails. Like how do you, like, what are the tenants for you in being witness to the whole of kids? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's an amazing journey to go on with these kids. Honestly, um, I learned so much from them. Um, I think, yeah, I think that I, I'm, I'm a lot older than these youth that we serve. And so I think I get stuck sometimes in my, like where I was when I was a youth and it's like so different. Mm-hmm. And so like the openness to learn from them, I think is key. And I think it's key. It's something that Brave Trails just does really well in general with all of our staff and our people. We like really listen to people. Um, we listen to um the campers when they have something to say we listen to the staff and like we adjust our program to to that um Mm -hmm. and so i think for me the like that's the core is just like 
creating a space where people feel comfortable to let their armor down, to know that it's like a safe space and know that they are going to be heard. Because mm. uh, I think, I think you said it earlier of like kids, they don't get, they don't get the credit that, that they should. Um, people Absolutely. often dismiss them and they might have something to say, but they don't, um, they're not heard. They're not, they're just not heard. Um, mm. and so when they're actually heard, it's, it's like mind blowing for them. And like, mm. it's so different. I, I have a story from our first summer at camp. Um, and this is kind of part of the armor of like, they show up someplace and even though it's a place that's clearly a queer space, mm-hmm. they still have a hard time settling into that. Understandable. Um, it's new. Yeah. Maybe never been to camp, right? Really camp or in a queer space. Yeah. Um, and so the first year we, we were figuring things out. We did some really great things. We did some not so great things and we were figuring it out. And our policy, our pool policy um, was just, the average pool's policy you go to the pool you are in the swimsuit you're covered like mm-hmm. that's the pool mm-hmm. policy um and we allowed a male identified not even male i'm not even gonna say male identified because that's not even right we male identified bodies right mm-hmm. like go shirtless at the pool mm-hmm. um and that was it wasn't fair it just wasn't fair to everybody um and it should never have been our policy to start with but it 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 just was and Mm. so we had a group of trans boys come up to us and say hey like this is not fair we feel really you know like we have to have a shirt on but we identify as boy blah blah blah, and all that stuff and we're like yes you are right you're absolutely right and what would you like to see this policy look like to change, to feel better for everybody. And blah, blah, blah. and like, we, we just listened to them and they yeah. were like shocked that their voice actually meant something. Mm. Um, and so we changed the policy and now everybody needs to wear a top and a bottom. We don't care what that is. It could be a binder. It could be a bikini top. It could be trunks. It could be a speedo. It could be anything. It just has to be a top and a bottom. Yeah. Um, for everybody across the board. And so that's what they came up with that first year. And it's, it's stuck, right? Like, and it's, it's so, I think that's just the most important part. Um, that's the most important part of the work that we do is like, no, you're, you're a person and you're heard and we hear you and we want to mm. create the space with you, not only for you. Yeah. I love that you can come to that situation and be aware of your own trappings, you know, as an, as a human living on this planet, right? And aware of the fact that, yes, we can learn from anyone and everyone as old as, you know, the sun and as new as a, a baby, you know, just being born, you know, we can learn from any creature. And I think it's that what I've learned through sort of doing empathy work, it is that listening piece that is a crucial part of it, is being open and aware of our own stuff, what we bring, and trying to allow for that to be as flexible as possible, right? Be curious, listen, learn, 
such a beautiful space when we can create that for people and for ourselves. Completely, because it's so much easier to be defensive. So much easier. It really is. It really is. But there's so much fear, right? There's so much anxiety. I think about, I'm not going to name names, but certain people in the world have, um, this is not a judgment. I get it. But there is a resistance to sort of the, I mean, this is always the case. Any new generation comes in, there's a resistance to the progressiveness and the flexibility and the 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 way that they show up like mm-hmm. i i look at someone you know i i'm i'm so excited to be going to brave trails because i am i am ready to be in awe mm-hmm. and to be inspired right and i look i look at some of these youth and i'm just dang that is amazing like you know and i just like ah i want to live more like that that's beautiful right and you know and then you know there there is just resistant to it and i think it's because change is hard right change is hard it's going to disrupt my little corner of control over here and that's hard and i yep. get it i'm the number one person that hates change like it could be <laughs> the smallest change in my world and it will take me a definite process to mm-hmm. I am so guilty of that. What's an example of a change that you've had to experience recently that that was hard, that was tough? Whew, um, <clears throat> I think I, this is like, so it, looking back at it, it feels so silly, but like it so is. It's like in LA, like you move um, different area to different area, like pretty frequently and you, you can, I like, once I get settled in a place, like I know where my grocery store is. I know where this is. I know where this is. And like, it's comfortable and it feels Mm -hmm. good. And so for me, even just moving to a different town and having to relearn that. And like, I have to like mourn the leaving the place that I was at. Like that's, I just, and like change is hard for me. It's just hard for me. And I've grown. And now that I like acknowledge it and know it, it's easier, (laughs) but like, yeah, it's just, it just is. I think a upcoming change for me is we're all moving up to camp in a few weeks. No, not in a few weeks, next week. Um, And it's two months, right? Like it's going to be six to eight weeks that we're going to be up there. And um, it's not only me and it's not only my wife now, like we have a four-year-old son. And so we're like, what are we going to do last year? He, him and I, um, cause my job is like I don't have to actually be at camp to do my job with Brave Trails. It's I'm yeah. more behind the scenes, but my wife Kayla does. She's program person, so she's at camp. And so last summer we made the difficult decision to um, have me and our son Ari stay at home for mm. the most part and just come up and visit. But we were living at home, and her be at camp, and it was okay. Um, it was hard. It was hard on him. It was hard on us. Like it was yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. And so this summer we were very intentional of like, Hey, well, we're going to just move the whole family. Not only just us, we're taking the cats. Like we're taking <laughs> the whole family next week up to camp. Um, and so 
that's just going to be a real, it's just a big change. Um, and ob- obviously we're going to come back home again. So it's like, not that like forever change, but it's still, um, and then managing his anxiety around it and not really understanding and not being mm. able to see his, cause he has friends now at school and like, yeah, yeah. Being able to see his people and trying to explain that to him. And yeah. It's just, that's it's a lot. It's hard. a lot. Yeah. And change is hard for everyone. Hmm. It is. It it really is. Uh, I I I. It's ever clear as I as I you know, get older, right? As a as an older person, I, I I just see it. It's I see it in myself. I see it in others, and I get it, right? Because the thing we want as humans, other than being seen and heard, is comfort, mm-hmm. right? And and when that's disrupted, whatever, however small or large, it it's anxiety, it's fear, it's, will I ever get back to that again? It's all this like mind game stuff that we do. And, um, and there will always be grief in it too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what is important and what has been helpful for me in changing, because I've been reflecting on, the, on, on this a lot lately. My partner, Jessica, I have a Jessica in my life. Uh, she and I have been together for 15 years. I've changed as a person a lot in, in a lot of like beautiful ways, I'm proud to say, and it's been hard, right? And it's been hard on Jessica, right? And so a part of our journey together has been a little bit of like grieving past versions of myself, even grieving some of the relationships that I've lost along the way, because we're just not aligned anymore, right? That happens, you know, and it's, it's hard. Mm, Absolutely. Brave trails. So I mentioned, I'm going to be there. The listeners should know that I am leading one of my empathy workshops um, at brave trails. I'm very excited by that. Um, Very honored to be there. I'm so uh, thrilled. Tell me a little bit about, um, I know, you know, the origin story is, fascinating and it came together very quickly and that's all sort of you know listed on the website but like tell me a little bit about i guess what this year looks like for for brave trails and how maybe this year is different or how it's the same like what you went into this year thinking differently about or how you wanted to improve things that kind of thing Yeah. um, I love that question. So for us, you know, with COVID, um, we had to cancel a summer and we shifted virtually. And and then last summer was also not a typical summer for us because it was just like, we did, we just didn't know, right? Like last summer we were still in it and we still didn't know what was happening. Um, And so we were fortunately were able to be in person last summer last summer, but it was very scaled back. We only mm-hmm. had four sessions, one week sessions, not a lot of campers. Like it was really, really scaled back. So I'm really excited about this summer because we are having more camp and more campers than we've ever had. So it's uh, really, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have four 10 day sessions in Southern California, um, about 80 kids per session. Wow. Um, plus the staff. And then we're going to have one 10 day session in uh, Maryland on the East coast. 
about a hundred campers in that session. Um, and so total, oh, and then we're also going to have, um, we just, cause with COVID we had a lot of time, um, and we created a lot during that mm. time. It was beautiful. And we feel very fortunate that we had the space to, to do that and the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we dreamt up, um, a backpacking program. So we're piloting our first ever seven day backpacking program for the youth. Um, and we're, it's going to be really small. It's only going to be nine campers and like five staff, I think. Um, and super excited about that and how that's going to turn out and how we can grow it in the future. Um, That's amazing. Uh, I backpack a lot, so keep me in mind because that sounds amazing. Next year, next <laughs> year, we got you. Um, yeah, so we're doing that this summer. Um, we're going to have about 430 campers throughout the whole summer, so including California, Maryland, and the backpacking program, um, which is more campers than we've ever had, which is so cool, an amazing thing. And um, and are these are these campers? coming from all over the States, all over everywhere, um, nationally everywhere. So I think, I don't know, we have some international campers this summer and not as many as years past, just because still getting, getting back on track. Um, but I think throughout our years, we've had campers from almost like 15 or 19 different countries. Um, and like at least 40 different States. Um, Mm. so yeah, it's far reaching. Um, we we're not just California based um, or East Coast Maryland based. Um, <clears throat> we have campers from all over, and they drive, they fly, they they just they get there, and it's amazing. And it's amazing for us to have that different cultural reference of not only just in the states but around the world too. Um, yeah, and the campers get to learn from each other, and they get to meet people that they like connect with and they can stay in contact with, even if they don't live in the same area. And so, yeah, that's really, I'm super stoked that we're kind of getting back, back to that level of like far reaching instead of just, um, closer to to home. Um, yeah, so that's happening this summer. And then this past October, this was a brainchild of, of COVID too. Um, we created a full comprehensive mental health program. Um, and so we have a cohort of five therapists that go, have gone through a year long training, um, about queer youth therapy, um, and provide individual therapy, group therapy, and family therapy to, um, to youth, to queer youth. Um, and right now we have about 20, 20 clients, um, which is awesome. But that we, that really grew out of the fact that, um, camp is an amazingly supportive space, Mm. but it's only during the summer. Um, and it's it's a letdown for a lot of these campers, um, to go back to their world after camp. And so, um, we change, it's a grief. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We found the need to really bring in, um, more year-round support. Mm. Um, and Brave Trails was always born with the idea of like mental health as an underlining thing of like 
we're not a therapy camp and we're not a therapy camp at all, yeah. but we're therapeutic. Um, and we want to make sure the campers have the support that they need. And so mm. an extension of that is the year round programming of our mental health program. Um, so we're super, super excited about that happening. Um, then we have family camp as well. So we had previous years, only one weekend of family camp and then this coming year, we're going to have two weekends because it sells out pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. And it's exciting and fun. And that's just like a fun weekend for queer parents and their kids and then queer kids and their parents. And they come together and talk about like a connection there. This past year, previously, it's only been really queer parents and their kids. Um mm-hmm. Because we really, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Kayla and I kind of created it because we were starting a family and we didn't have any space um, for mm-hmm. for community. And so we really selfishly, we were like, let's create community. Um, <laughs> That's a wonderful so- <laughs> idea, right? Yeah. I love that. So uh, queer parents and their kids and then parents who have queer kids. Yes. And yeah. so this is the first year that we kind of like mixed those groups. Mm-hmm. And it was like, at first, I think the queer parents were like, this is our space. What happened to it? <laughs> and then as the weekend went on, it was just so beautiful because we had queer kids coming up to their parents and coming up to other people that were there and saying, wow, I can see what my family can look like. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was like, mm. it was amazing. And originally we were going to like probably split them up this year and like have queer parents and queer kids and split them up. And because of that experience and how beautiful it was, and like, I think we're going to just keep it like combined like that because what other opportunity do you have to like? It's very unique. Yeah. Well, one thing, so I, the first, like the very first iteration of an empathy workshop, I was mm-hmm. at, I think we talked about this when we talked on the phone, but was at Camp Heal mm-hmm. for Project Heal, this um, eating disorder uh, um, treatment and, and awareness uh, nonprofit. And it was a transformative experience for me. You know, it was a very sort of, I had a very rough idea of what I wanted to do. I went to camp, I don't know, 40 kids, you know, kids, they were late teens, early twenties. So they're kids Um, in a circle around me. And I remember feeling that whole weekend, because it was like two days for the first time. And I'm someone who's 15 years removed from, being in eating disorder sort of space. It was for the first time where I felt like, oh, my my people. <laughs> like I felt like, ah, finally someone who gets it, right? Tell me a little bit about the power of that and mm-hmm. how that sort of overlaps with Brave Trails. Yeah, I think that is Brave Trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, right there is like, you a lot of our campers this is like the possibly the first time that they're in a space with other people like them wow um and so imagine just imagine that of like oh i've like 
I've known who my people are, but I've not had the the, the privilege or the honor to experience that until now. Mm. Um, and it's depending on where they're coming from in the world and the country, like the, the levels of support are different, you know, and um, it's just, I just think that that is the, the key to it mm-hmm. is that they're in a space where they, they don't have to question themselves. They can show up as themselves. They don't have to look over their shoulder to make sure they're like physically and emotionally safe. They can mm-hmm. just drop into it and they can experience things with other kids that are going through the same exact thing that they're going through. Yeah. Very similar. Um, and I think, you know, we get asked the question a lot of like, well, why do you need a fully queer space? Can't you just have an accepting space? And, and yeah, sure. Accepting spaces and accepting camps are so important. And if you've ever belonged to a group that's quote unquote other, you know what it feels like to be in a space with your people. Yeah. And it's just different. Yeah. And a piece of this that just like came up for me this week, uh, a friend of mine on Instagram, well, just yesterday, um, shared about it on Instagram. So I, I want to share it here and, and honor her. Her name is Colleen and she came out as bi. Mm. And so much beauty in the comments. And there was this one person who was um, pushing back on this idea that like, can't you keep that to yourself? Right. Mm. This idea, right. I, I'm sure you've heard that before countless times. Right. Yeah. And it, it um it it pained me to read it it pained me to see that in the world so tell me a little bit about the importance of being marginalized your whole life being persecuted being uh uh ridiculed or whatever it may be right othered and then have the pride and the courage and the grace and the strength to say God damn it. This is who I am. And it feels fucking great. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like it's just, I think it's the, the bravery and the courage to do that. Um, Cause unfortunately we live in a world that still some places accepts all identities, you know, and some, some spaces do, but I'm always surprised because people are like, well, you live in California. It's in California. It's so accepting and welcoming. And, and it is like, it is a lot more than some of the other places in the world. Um, But that doesn't mean that each family is right. Like that's a culture of Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's your individual person or individual experience in LA. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know how I'll say it. it's just like so important to be able to have those spaces. Um, you know, we have mm-hmm. campers that, you know, we do need to have permission from parents to come to camp because it's 10 days away from home. Like we, it's just the nature of what we do is we need to have permission. So yeah, 
Um, we set ourselves up in a way of we're a camp for queer youth and allies. Um, so, so if you want to come as an ally, you're not out to your family. That's fine. We are never going to out you. You can be out to us. We're still never going to out to you, out to you, um, to your parents. Like that's not, we're not in that business. We're not doing that. Um, and we're also leadership. So if their family sees, past the rainbows on the website uh, and just sees the the leadership component, then, then you're coming to a leadership camp, right? Like that's yeah. totally cool with us. And we've had, you know, some experiences with families where one parent is so supportive and one parent is not um, mm. it could be like a divorced family. Mm-hmm. We've had a family who the one parent who was supportive thought it was so important for their child to come to camp that they did everything that they could. And then the child literally had to take their father to family court and get it court ordered in order to allow them to come. And it was such an ordeal that at one point they just said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. Mm. And at the very last minute, did it and went to court and got it approved by the the court to come and like mandated to come, not even approved. Um, and where the father just didn't have a say anymore, but like as a young person to have to do that. It's terrible. Yeah. How, I can't, I, and how brave is that kid? So brave. <laughs> I mean, amazing courage does that kid have to like do exactly what you're saying is like, no, this is who I am and Mm. I am going to get what I need. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty stunning and remarkable. And it's so, like I said before, it's just so inspiring uh, to me. And and I, and I hope to all the listeners, it's just, it's everything right. To, to figure out who we are and to love who we are and to be seen in who we are. Like, that's it. That's, that's the life. That's the path. (laughs) That's everything. And that shouldn't be too much. It shouldn't. Should not be too much. But as you say, like, there's so much intersectionality at play here, right? Um, There's a parent who's supportive and there's a parent who's not. And then there's the parents who maybe 10 years ago got on board with the idea that, um, you know, gay rights is a thing, but transgender, I don't know about that. Right. You know, so there's, there's, there's so much room and space to to keep to keep digging into this work and keep growing because yeah i mean even i mean look at the intersectionality of california right la pocket of uh progressivism and at the same time there's a mayor that could be voted in that's terrible (laughs) um and then there are pockets that are less liberal and and more sort of um hard on the queer community right so a lot of we've we've made a lot of beautiful progress you you know leading that charge in many ways jessica and there's so much more to do right always 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 yeah i i just had a conversation on this podcast with stephanie whittles wax who she wrote this book called everything is horrible and wonderful Mm. Uh, she lost her brother Harris Whittles to heroin uh, overdose. Just brutal. 
And we talked about trying to be useful in our empathy, meaning like, you know, I'm a big hearted, sensitive, feely guy and I get overwhelmed. And, and sometimes I just want to burn it all down. Right. But like, that's not useful. I want to, I want to be useful in my advocacy. Right. I don't want to like, I don't want to just like shut out a certain segment of the people because I'm maybe making assumptions perhaps. Right. Like I want to, I want to be useful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah. And I think that I, I love that because I think it's really easy to shut out the part that we don't want to deal with or talk it about. It is. Or and I get it. Yeah. Sometimes we actually need to do it a little bit to survive. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah. Um, now at a place where I'm at in my life, you know, I'm turning 41 next uh, next month. I feel safe in who I am more or less. Um, I just, I feel like that is, that is the path. That is the duty of being a human is to, you know, fight for those who haven't been seen, you know, those who've been, um, not cherished and not seen and loved in all of their beautiful humanity. Right. Um, that's everything to me. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I know it. I know. We're mirrors for each other. We are. We are. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited that brave trails is a thing that exists in the world and you're saving lives. You. you are. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are saving lives. You are giving kids hope. Um, and it makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful. Thank you. I love it. Did you see the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once? No, not yet. My goodness, Jessica. I know. I'm told by everybody. What are you doing with your life? A four-year-old. I know. I'm just kidding. That's what I'm doing. That's You're, all. You have a four-year-old. I know. Um, <laughs> it's... It'll it'll I've, tear your heart apart and put it back together. It's so beautiful, and I I think it's I mean it's an immigrant story. It's a it's a it's a motherhood story. It's a it's a story about mental health. It's like all of the things. It's really beautiful. But it may, anytime I like talk about this stuff and the messiness of what it means to be human, and then the and the courage of 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 standing up for who we are and finding out who we are and finding our people and connection and growing in connection. I, I think of that movie and, you know, I saw it twice in the theaters and I want to see it again because it was so moving to me, but I can't that, wait. that's your homework. That is absolutely every single person I've talked to. They're like, wait, you haven't seen, I'm like, I know, I know. So we just had Jane Liu who uh, played on a track for the score of that film. Stay mm -hmm. at our Airbnb. Wow. Just, you know, we have this little 1930s, cabin thing and then uh, above our garage we have a little space um her name's soraya is her band name uh she's actually playing in la july 30th and we're gonna go but um it was just like oh my god like i didn't want to i told her this so if you're listening to this jane hello <laughs> but i didn't want to like overdo it on the yeah. zealousness you know i was so excited right i didn't want to like play cool known play cool yeah <laughs> so funny Anyways, um, well, 
let's talk about empathy heroes. So we always kind of wrap up the show Mm -hmm. mentioning someone in our lives who is empathetic, Mm. compassionate, et cetera. Um, I will go first to give you a moment to reflect. My empathy hero this week is my friend Calvin, who just reached six years of his company, uh, 540 West Main. Um, And Calvin and his team have been doing community-based connection work and anti-racism education for the past six years. Uh, Very proud of Calvin. He's a deeply empathetic, feely human. And and he's... I'll just say this. There was a moment... um, I I lead this emotional check-in series for Feely Human where we come together every month and we cry together. (laughs) We talk about how we're feeling. And there was this moment a couple of months ago where Calvin had was talking about how, and I'm so proud of him for this. And it, it was just such a beautiful moment. I was talking about like someone had asked if I was going to try to trademark Feely Human. And I said, oh, I don't know. I kind of looked into it. it. It seems a little overwhelming. And then I made a comment about like, well, it also feels a little maybe icky that I have to do something like that. And then Calvin shared with the group about his experience with it and how as a black human living in the world, how important legacy is and, and sort of safeguarding that legacy. And, and he, he sort of brought up examples of um, Frederick Douglass, for example, right? And all his writings are like public domain, right? And not even owned by the Douglass estate, right? You know, and, and through that, perspective i was like wow that is amazing and beautiful and i'm also i'm sorry i didn't see it in that way at the first time like i was so i was just so grateful and in awe of that perspective and you know obviously deeply saddened by it as well and grateful and proud of calvin for thinking it thinking about it in that way and 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 claiming that for himself and and leading this organization for the past six years it's it's a it makes me very happy it makes me very grateful to know calvin and i I, calvin if you're listening to this thank you um you opened my eyes and my heart and i'm grateful to know you and you're my empathy here this week Mm, i love that (laughs) how about you um i think for me right now this week would be um my colleague and really good friend, Kobe, um, who is our operations director at Brave Trails, um, but also just a really um, amazing, amazing human, amazing friend, and is like one of the most empathetic, feely humans that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate his, just his support and his he just helps me stay grounded in all of the work that we're doing um, and helps me um, often look at things in a different perspective. Like you were saying, if Mm. I I come to him, if work or personal or whatever it is, he just is able to be like, okay, I hear you. And what about this or this or that? And like Mm -hmm. really in the most kind, gentle way is just like, 
solidly been there for me over the last, you know, eight years of, of this journey. Mm. We need the Kobe's in the world. Yes. Yeah. We need the people Kobe, like that. If you are listening to this. Thank you for all your love. I love it. I love that. That's beautiful. Uh, well, Jessica, where, where can the folks listening learn more about Brave Trails, connect with the community, et cetera? Absolutely. So a few places. Um, our website, you can go just bravetrails.org. Um, go to it, check out the videos. You'll be able to see all the kids in action and it's absolutely amazing. Um, and then you can learn about all of the different fun things that we're doing. Um, and Instagram is really where we're at. Um, we have a, a pretty strong presence. Jake, who is our communications director, is absolutely amazing. Um, and really puts out um, great things, not only about Brave Trails, but like community resources and things like that. So it's just a great place to be. Um, and then TikTok, we are all also on TikTok. I think it's, I think they're both just at Brave Trails. Um, I should know that. But I think you're right. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I mean, I'm not on TikTok, but uh, I think you're right. I think, yeah. I think that's it. Um, so those are the best places. And then sign up for our mail list um, off of our website and just to, to keep up to date to, to what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Well, listeners, all of those links will be in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. Jessica Weisbuck, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for being a part of it. Oh, thank you. This is such a breath of fresh air and such a, an amazing space you've created. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring pale blue dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy.